Welcome to the No Things Considered podcast. Listen, I'm political all the time, and sometimes I need a break from it, you need a break from it. I recommend this all the time. Whether it's going to grab a drink, putting your phone down, turning the TV off, whatnot. For me, because I want to keep doing the podcast, obviously, and I want to talk to very, very interesting people, it's trying to avoid politics and talking to someone awesome in something that I'm very, very interested by. If you don't know this about me, I was I was more of a pro wrestling nerd years ago, but I'm a big time pro wrestling nerd. So it was a real honor to be able to sit down and talk with T.J. Perkins, who was the WWE WWE's first cruiserweight champion. Really incredible guy, amazing athlete, a great follow on all social media platforms. So go check him out. We get through all this information there. But we talk career, we talk theme song, you know, we talk everything you can think of, and I'm really excited to bring this conversation to you. Something that's not political, something that's fun, something that's different. And by the way, if you're from a dirt sheet listening in, I make very, very clear, and I told him beforehand, there's no shoot interview stuff here. There's no bad-mouthing of other wrestlers. It's all good stuff. It's all really informative stuff. And I- Welcome to the show, TJ Perkins, TJP. You probably have seen him everywhere. He's the first uh, WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, I, I just want to say to begin with, I wanted to be a pro wrestler until I was 12 years old and I realized I couldn't do a forward role. And watching what you do, I, number one, when do you realize that you can do the stuff that you do? Because if, if a lot of folks aren't familiar with you, people who are p- more political that follow me, you are a high flyer. You do incredible acrobatics in the ring. Was there a moment that you were like, hey, I can do like, you know, a triple front flip from my feet? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know that I'm quite uh, Ricochet or or, or uh, Will Ospreay, but um, I don't know. I mean, I was I was an all sport athlete growing up, so I I can do you know basic stuff that I think I needed. Uh, I guess we have I, it's it, we're like reverse. I, I was 12 when I decided that I think I could really do this. Um, so I started when I was 13, about a year later, and. Um, I don't know. I just see. I picked a lot of stuff up, a lot of stuff up real naturally. And um, I mean, at that age and at that time, it was like 1998. Uh, you you had to be able to do the job very well, or else. I mean, you got eaten alive at that time. It was the Wild West at that time. It was the the lion's den. People didn't hold your hand like they do now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you, you said it's basic stuff. It's not basic stuff for people like me. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, it's just, it's a... I guess it's kind of like, you know, like with like mischievous kids and they like chuck the cat and it's like, oh, you better land on your feet, dude. Um, like, I mean, it's kind of like that, you know, I mean, if I didn't, if I couldn't do it, I didn't, I wasn't going to survive. So I guess I was like, well, let me tap into everything I possibly am capable of here and see what I, what I can bring to the table. I actually, so I was, I was a huge nerd. A lot of people probably know this about me. I'm a huge wrestling nerd um, growing up. And one of the things people don't know is that I was the campaign manager for Nikolai Volkov when he ran for office in Maryland. He was actually, I met him when he was like a, a code enforcement officer for Baltimore County, like after he had retired from wrestling. And That's awesome. uh, like, can and I we, interview about that? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, he's let, the, let me, let me interview you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask yeah. me questions, please. And, I, and I'll <laughs> well, no, t- continue. Tell me. Yeah, no, no, no. Know. So like he taught me Indian food. He was like this crazy vegan. Uh, and he taught me how to throw fake punches and stupid road magic tricks. He taught me every freaking stupid road magic trick. I forgot most of them by now. And he was just the <laughs> nicest guy. He lived on a farm. And, uh, and he, I have a bunch of his stuff too. Like he gave me a bunch of stuff 
Uh, I don't want to be on any kind of WWE show where they come looking for Nikolai Volkov stuff, but like he gave me a bunch of stuff. He was just like, I don't want this. And like when he got his well, action you will, figures, you're going to be on their show now because they don't know where to find a lot of this stuff. So they catch wins. <laughs> <sighs> I, I really don't want, uh, but like, he's like, Hey, they sent me a box of my action figures. You want some? And I'm like, I don't care, man. There's like, you know, they sent me video games. You want this? I'm like, I don't care. like, he is so nonchalant about the stuff that he did. And he was also very adamant that, uh, he was one of the few guys back in the day that didn't do any drugs and uh, and just was kind of the way he was. And he wasn't a big drinker or anything like that either. And, and it was because he said it was because his wife was on the road with him and drove him everywhere back in the day, which which I'm going to bring this back to you. <laughs> what is the schedule like, number one, being uh, in the WWE and then as an independent wrestler? That's got to be like a wild no days off schedule, right? Kind of. Uh, my first year out of WWE which and I was one of the lucky ones from the cruiserweights, like as far as schedule goes. Like I, I was pretty busy. I mean, they they kind of built that show around me initially uh, to start, and so I got to do a lot of the crossover stuff and the live events and things like that. So I'd be gone a lot. Like I'd be gone um, the traveling. A typical week when I was in WWE was like I would leave because the shows were on different days. So SmackDown was on Tuesday, so it's like. I would leave on a Friday morning, fly out to whatever city, and I would uh, have a, a live event that day. We would drive through the night to the next town. Saturday would be another live event. Sunday would be a live event or a pay-per-view. And then I would drive again to Monday for Raw. And then Cruiserweights had to do uh, 205 on SmackDown. So then we would drive again to, to another city, which was usually not far away for SmackDown. Because the crew is like one crew they don't have like a second crew so raw and smackdown usually have to be somewhat close proximity but not too close because then they can't sell tickets uh so that was a usual week for me like i'd have three days off maybe four um then i'd be back on again uh but when i left uh wwe i mean god i had like 90 dates over just the summer i think it was like 90 dates within like a four five month span so it was almost exactly the same, but the travel was worse because like it kind of screwed me because uh, now I'm working for a hundred different people instead of just one company. So, you know, they're not collaborating on shows. So I might be on you know, Friday, I might be in San Antonio for a show, but then it's like sat my Saturday shows in Portland, but then my oh. Sunday shows in Toronto. So it's like, I'm going like West coast down to Texas, back up to North, west then over to like northeast and then i'm like okay now i can fly home on, on monday or whatever and it was like i will have done god six thousand miles of travel um you know whereas with wwe i might land on friday and i just drive a few hundred miles like around so i mean it's it, each one has their differences but that's what it was like well, when you travel, I, I have a question about this because, again, wrestling nerd me, one of the last real live shows I went to for WWE, and this should date it, was when Bret Hart returned in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, and this was, oh my gosh, 15 years ago? Something like that? Some crazy yeah, thing? or like they, right. um, And I flew out the next day, flight to Baltimore, then Tampa. And uh, my plane was basically all pro wrestlers headed back to Tampa. And there were, this was a, a 6 a.m. flight. There were droves of people at the airport waiting for them for autographs with like books of auto like autograph, like yeah. whatever, like scammers or whatever that are like, sign this, sign this, sign this. And with boxes of things, 
is that <laughs> is that typical? Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, I guess it depends on the city. Uh, I feel like maybe you see that more in the Midwest. I want to say. Um, I I would never see it in southern states. Um, and I usually didn't see it on the coasts either. So like if I was LA or say Texas or even like Alabama, New Orleans, something like that, I usually wouldn't see that. Um, I don't know what why that is, but it, it's some it's for whatever reason like Midwest region fans were more like that. But yeah, it was it was kind of common. Um, you know, five a.m. I'd check in for a flight, and guys would be waiting at the kiosk. You know, usually they're all pretty patient as far as that goes. They try not to bother you when you're like trying to like check in for TSA or something, but um but i never minded it you know i i love taking the time for them i i'd be more willing to uh take be late for a flight or late for i was late for work every day i was in wwe just because if somebody was outside an arena or an airport or anything i'd anybody who was there i would sign or take a picture with um but yeah that's that awesome. was kind of it was, it was very common very common yeah that's awesome um and and actually they did i remember uh everyone except for uh oh my gosh what was his name Santino Morello was not cool to people when I saw that, but that I, that could have been a bad day. Could have, been a, could have been an early morning. I don't know these people, you know, like I, uh, I would be pretty frustrated. Uh, Santino is a total sweetheart. Um, a lot of guys though have bad days. Uh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of my peers have bad days. I try never to have a bad day because you know, I mean, that's to you. Yeah. That's every day you're checking in doing stuff. You're meeting new people, but for them, like they gave up work that day or whatever, and, like they're missing their kids to hockey practice to see you. And that's the only time they're going to see you maybe in their life, you know? Yeah. So I, I always tried to look at it that way. You know, I, I'm, I always would tell the fans, and this is why I would always stay out there. I would tell them, this is why I'm, I'm, I would never turn any of you guys away. I always would tell them, I'm just like you. I was on that side of the guardrail. I just snuck in. They, I'm one of you guys. They just let me in here and, and, you know, I'm stealing their money for a little while. I'm going to, so I appreciate you guys. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I would imagine it's incredibly exhausting too for you know, not, I, I, like I said, like you said, Santino's a nice guy. So like, I would imagine like you, you get the endorphin high from your own, you know, in front of, you know, 15,000 live people at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night, you get home, you're not getting to sleep till one, you get up at, you know, five to head to the airport, I would be in the worst mood showing up. <laughs> I, think I just, I, I think I lucked out in that way. Cause I, I've, whatever, whatever programming in, in people's DNA they get for like being nervous or anxious and adrenaline, like showtime, stuff like that. I don't get that. I've never had that. I've never been nervous for a match or anxious or anything like that. So like, if I'm like in Monday night, Rod sit in gorilla, we call gorilla position behind the, behind the curtain. And guys are every, I mean, people are dry heaving. They're super nervous, especially for like live TV and stuff like that. Oh. I'd, I'd sit there with like a cup of coffee. And when my music hit, all right, it's time to go <clears throat> come back, grab my coffee, get, get dressed and go. So maybe because I don't have these emotional levels like other people do, I, when I get up at 5 a.m. or whatever and have to catch a flight, like that stuff doesn't bother me when I, when people are like wanting a little bit of my time. I, I have a tendency to be a lot more patient with that. But I could see a lot of other guys when they, you know, guys have really peaks and low valleys in this type of work. Um, you're one of the few people that I noticed, by the way, in WWE or in pro wrestling in general that got away with using their real name. Uh, a lot of these guys yeah. have like crazy gimmicky, gimmicky names. Like I just couldn't imagine, by the way, 
being a, a wrestler in like the nineties with like Duke, the jumpster Drozzy and you know what Adam bomb and all these like crazy cartoony <laughs> names. And like, yeah. nobody knows you anymore. You know, your name is like what, when, when I met uh, King Kong Bundy again, I'm a big nerd. Uh, Nikolai invite, uh, you know, it, introduced me to him and he's like hey i'm chris and i'm like oh there goes my whole childhood i was scared to shit of you <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's oh. it's just one of those things but uh how did you get away with your your real name i don't know uh first time i ever went to do shows for wwe not well not i don't know this is the first time but when i was younger you know if i would do matches or something like that these single serving matches they would always i'd always have to pick a new name um i did a match with I got like Miz and like Sheamus before, and it was like I I picked a new name. It was JT Quinn, I think it was. Quinn was one of my coaches, and they just flipped my initials around. Um, so yeah, I mean they used to always be admin about that sort of thing. I have no idea why when I came back in they didn't. Um, but I mean I was like other than AJ and I think Good Brothers, I was like the first guy in like a decade to like come into the company and skip developmental completely i didn't go to nxt or report or anything so i don't know if it's like well this guy's going right to tv anyway and people already know him he's been wrestling for you know at that time god i've been wrestling almost 20 years already um and so it's like well what are we <laughs> what are we going to rename this guy that that's going to make any kind of sense and not that the other guys you know don't have names that uh that are synonymous with them but i don't know maybe some something like that i just got lucky i didn't they never want to ask me like to pick something else well you're i think we're about the same age i, I don't care how old you are but um but, you know that's like a weird girl conversation like how old are you oh you don't look your age <laughs> yeah. um but so we grew up in the same generation who was it that you kind of idolized was there a, a character that you were like this is the guy that I want to be and you know, that, that made me be a wrestler or, or inspired me to be a wrestler. I mean, I don't know that I have any one guy. I have, uh, I have three guys that kind of became my biggest inspirations. And, and for the most part, I mean, they were since I was a kid. Sure. Of course. Um, and I got them on my arm here, actually. I have uh, tiger mask and Eddie and, uh, Sean. Um, those That's are awesome. three guys that really are probably my biggest inspirations. Um, definitely as a professional and when i was a kid you know like everybody else i, I mean i loved hulk hogan i loved the ultimate warrior um i think the guys i really clinged to as i started to become an older little kid um was like brett jake and macho i think those were like like three of the guys that like the way they looked the way that their matches were their characters were the way that they talked roddy piper too like those, those were like the three or four guys that I was like, man, this is the, that, that whole generation is really what, like, you know, I, I think you're probably the same way, you know, million dollar man, like the, these are our guys, you know? So, and I'm still that way when I, when my kid's born, I have a kid due in September. He, I'm going to have him watching the million dollar man. I'm not showing him my crap. Like, <laughs> I'm showing, I'm showing him the, the good stuff. You know what I really miss? And, and uh, I don't know why they stopped doing it. Were those traditional Survivor Series matches where it was like the Hawkamaniacs against the, oh, the yeah, perfect the, team? The Visionaries versus the Teamsters or whatever, yeah. I don't know what it was about that. It was just it was just goofy enough that it was like, this is cool. Like I, I don't it was that because those team ups never happened. I guess because they didn't have two or three three hour shows a week, so you'd never see those combos and they'd come together. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Like modern 
I was going to say modern wrestling, but I think it, like all of digital media entertainment is this way. Every, like everything has a window into a window into a window into a window of what's behind the curtain now. So like back in the day, you didn't have that. So I, I always felt like I looked forward to them releasing what the teams were because I would be like, oh, maybe these guys are like friends in real life, you know? And then I was like learning something about them. But now it's like, God, if you follow any of them on Instagram, you know who's hanging out. So uh, so now it's like, if you were to do that today, it's almost like it's not interesting because you already kind of, that that veil has been pulled back. But back in the day, I used to love it. Like, oh, the Rockers and the Ultimate Warrior? Of course, they're, they're going to share gear ideas. They look, they, they dress similar. Of course they would team. You know, like that's how I used to look at it. And that was half of the entertainment right there. Yeah. I mean, I really do think that social media, see, this is a good segue. I think that that social media has <laughs> blown blown the cover off of wrestling because when I see, you know, um, and I don't really follow it that well, but like if I see two women that are supposed to be in a program together um, doing a TikTok dance together, it's like, okay, guys, like, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't say, I know your friends in the ring, even though you're supposed you attack each other or whatever. It, it blows that whole cover. And that started happening years ago, but on social media. Now you're one of the guys that gets attacked on social media all the time because you shared a little bit of an opinion, not much, a little bit of an opinion. Everybody's got opinions. What do you yeah. think about like this whole cancel culture thing? People going after athletes, uh, and, and anyone in, in entertainment because of their political leanings. And it's always, by the way, it's always left going after right. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I, so I think to start with, and like a lot of my best friends in the world are, are super liberal people and, and I love them. I love them to death and it doesn't affect anything because in real, like when you're not on a screen or you you live beyond just typing on a screen, like you come to realize that that, does not define your life so we don't have any problems whatsoever but i uh that first part uh, you know i will say like a lot of people you know especially if you lean really left their response to that dichot or that dynamic in the world is well you got these guys do it too i was gonna say you guys but i, I don't subscribe to be right or left i don't have a political party i feel like i'm politically fluid i've never voted you know etc but I don't think that everything is 50-50. And I think that's the fallacy of a lot of, I think, liberal-minded people is that like, well, if it's 50-50, that means, you know, the other side's like this too. And it's like, well, no, it's a little, it's more like 80-20, the way that you guys are behaving. Like, yeah, there's crazy people on all angles, but like, there's like, some people do it worse than others. And it is very, very telling which side kind of does. And yeah, I mean, I don't like the culture of it people are just, they're social terrorists now, you know, and they, they feel like they're doing it for a good reason. So, I mean, I, I feel like people are self-aware enough that they know that they're, you know, bullying and terrorizing people's lives, but they justify it in the idea that, well, we're, we're doing it for a good reason, but it's like, man, a lot of the worst things in history were done for a good reason. And it's like, you're not willing to, to understand that that's, kind of what that is you know that's that's fascism is what it is you know yeah no and and uh i i like to say that uh, we've had it too good in america for too long and so these people feel like they need to act out like they <laughs> they didn't have their 60s they didn't have their you know desegregation I, or my the the analogy i would always use is like 
I feel like a lot of people now, especially young adults, it's like when you're a kid and you go ghost hunting with flashlights with your neighborhood friends. And it's like, you pretend there's a ghost in the bushes and then you spend all day building up this thing and you get close and you pretend to have this altercation and, oh, we got to wait just in time. We got to wait just in time. And then you have your parents inside like, get the hell in. It's dinner. Stop. Put that crap down. <laughs> and I feel like that's like older, like moderates or maybe like older right-leaning people in the country. <laughs> and like liberals are like the kids with the flashlights. Like they're, they invent a lot of problems or they find minor problems and they exasperate them to entertain themselves in a way, you know, and they, they, they fix it. And you're, you're right. I do think that they're in their pursuit of like their MLK moments or, you know, their, 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 you know, JFK thing. And it's like those, those guys at that time would be appalled at the type of stuff that's going on today in their name. Like that's not what they stood for. And that's not why they did the things they did. Things I mean, change. those those guys would be canceled today by I think the left. I think they'd be uh, <laughs> yeah. they're they're too they would be right wing extremists. I think JFK would be a, a Catholic right wing extremist because well, I think he no, was yeah they, yeah I mean he checks off every box of what they would do. But I think that's the other thing too is that like and I, I this in regards I guess if you downgrade it to like say like my peers or you know people that either gain support or gain like hatred from people like. They pick and choose. You know, I, I know a lot of my peers that have dropped the intolerant F-bomb like publicly in their history in promos or something back when people weren't canceling people mm-hmm. or said the N-word and they're, you know, shouldn't be saying stuff like that. And uh, like people pick and choose. Oh, well, that's fine. And it's like, why is that fine? You know, but then this other person, you'll look up their registry or something and found out that like when they were 21 they registered you know republican or something you know and i'll have friends that like that will get killed for that and i'm like what like how are you guys choosing and it's like well we just like this person you know that's pretty much what they're saying you know like i probably have a friend on, on each side of me one has a domestic violence record or something and another person has the exact same thing this one is ruined for the rest of their life. And this one is going to make a million dollars and they just don't care because it's what, what they, who they like, you know? And, they, and I think that it's like almost like Darwinism or like how they say like first impressions, you, you make your mind up about somebody the first three to five seconds you see them. They know when you see a person. And I think that's true in, in, in life. That's kind of how it is. You get a vibe on somebody and you, you just know you're going to like them or not like them. And that's kind of how they go with, with, you know, they make their decision and then they justify it, not come up with the reason and then decide what they think. You know, like critical thinking has made people like see things backwards. Like they choose their side first and then they use critical thinking to like, well, this is why. And it's like, hey, you're inventing the reason why you decided before you knew anything, you know. Well, it's it's like they believe that everything is a pro wrestling event, right? So you have to know who the good guys and bad guys are as soon as they come out of the. If if they didn't that's, have, you yeah, know, that's the other thing too. Yeah, it's it's this. Everybody wants uh, everything to be a, a struggle. There's there has to be. I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. You know, I'm I'm somehow disadvantaged, even though we're on an equal playing field, and you're oppressing yeah. me. Um, it, it's overcompensation, I think. You know, social overcompensation. And so I, hate to I say that because it's like I'm not saying like guy everybody's like this like virgin nerd in their parents' basement. Like I think that's an old, tired, beat up analogy and that's stupid. But 
I do think that, you know, like, even if you have like a good normal life and you have friends and stuff, some people just are not satisfied with that. And they overcompensate by doing stuff like this. Well, what I, what I really, um, have noticed about media in particular and, and a lot of things that are, that are, uh, influential in society. When you take a look at why, why I believe, of course, ratings at CNN and MSNBC have dropped off is because Trump was the boogeyman. And uh, years ago, again, I'm going to say it for the hundredth time, I'm a huge wrestling nerd. Uh, Eric Bischoff used to say the money's in the chase. I think a lot of people have said that. So you never want, you know, the championship belt on the good guy. You want it on the bad guy. You know, you let the, the good guy get beat up on his journey to get there and you finally have a payoff. And that's how clickbait has worked, I think, for years, where you have to have this boogeyman to get people to click in or like on CNN and MSNBC, it was Trump. And we're going to finally get him. Tune in tonight. We're going to show you how we finally got him or whatever. And it, it's, narrative, it, it's narrative shaping. Yeah. Yes. It's and the I same that, parallel. And I, I, I say this to some of my younger friends too, like, you know, like, uh, God, they're not that young, maybe like 25 or something like that. Like, but I mean, think of somebody like that's like 25 or younger, the way that they're like voting, it's the voting thing is so crazy too. Like the, the, like now, like a lot of, it's really more people on the left. They want to like lower the voting age. And I think we should raise it. I think it's crazy that anybody would want to lower it because it's like the fact that you can vote on such important stuff at 18, especially now when people don't have like in the fifties, people had so much more life experience at 18, 19, 20 years old. Now, most people don't really start their adult lives until they're like 28 years old. They're still living at home. They don't own property. They don't have assets. They don't have any concept of taxes and all kinds of stuff that will really affect you going forward. They don't have families. They don't even have a career yet. Most people, you know, uh, at that age. And it's it did used to be that way when we set voting ages back in the day. But now it's like, I would tell people this in regards to your the idea of like narratives and how that's built up and, and turned down. Like if you're 25 now, it's like you were 21, 20 years old the last time the election season rolled around. I mean, barely able to do it. Definitely didn't have any concept of what you should be voting for. And then before that, you had eight years uh, if it was a two term person. And this, in, this, in this case, it was, you know, a two term person. Then, like, you're talking, like, the last time like, I was voted in, you were, like, 10 years old, maybe, you know, 12 years old. Like, you had no idea what the country was was about at that time. So it's, like, I think a lot of people, they just don't understand that the narratives flip the way that you're saying. Like, I remember when people, like, Trump was the baby face to a lot of people. People loved him. Like, when mm -hmm. he was, like, when he was getting out of his like day-to-day -day career and like as a tycoon and like ah, maybe i'm gonna get into politics and he you know he had always been involved with a lot of stuff for like a lot of years and i think people don't realize he used to be the baby face everybody then they like the media and people turn the field and it's like they're kind of doing the same to the current administration like you know like yeah. people and, and this is like twice now people used to hate biden and, and like and stuff like that after the crime bill and all that in the 90s and same thing with with Kamala and her big push for like people rotting in jail for nonviolent crimes. And it's like, oh, this is a terrible person. They couldn't even get out of her primaries, you know, and now then they go up against the big heel that's been created. So now they're, you know, I'm a real Americans playing. It's like, OK, 
baby faces are over now and now they're yeah. turned heel again because people realize wait a minute we hated these people <laughs> like, and now they hate them again it's like uh, it's it's and it's all narratives you know they're, they're, every side is just a side doing a job and and they're trying to do their job and we're like media and all of us are here trying to tack these emotional labels on them and it's like well, I'm I'm the one goof who has ghostwritten and advised members of Congress and had to explain pro wrestling heels and baby faces to them when I'm writing <laughs> things for them and what we're doing on narratives. And so, look, this is there's definite overlap. I, I honestly think, you know, it's things have really gotten dumbed down. And, and I'm part of the problem with that. I'm one of the catalysts to that. You know, a lot of people, I, even though I, I like to think I give intelligent political commentary at times, I really am one of the catalysts that got us to where we are. And I'll take that blame when I'm, you know, 100. Oh, you're, uh, so, no, you're, you're a realist. I, I, that's why I really love uh, reading your stuff. I mean, it, it, it's people, people get too caught up in sides. You know, yeah. and even even if people subscribe to a side that I mean, still like, uh, I I really cling to people who are realists, and they could they they could see a seam in what's what the issue is, and like, well, this is a valid question, let's ask it. A lot of people avoid the valid questions. That's usually what I get killed over. Is my stuff is usually not really opinions. Like I believe so strongly, and I'm gonna fight for it. It's usually me just playing devil's advocate and asking a question and saying, well, why is nobody asking this? And yeah. we're not talking about that right now. How dare you? And it's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> when can when can we talk about it? In twenty five years? Like, because I don't know. You know. Well, yeah, to your point, by the way, and I, I wanted to say this earlier, but you were in, you were in an incredibly good role. I, I really appreciate your thoughts on all this stuff. <laughs> but uh, you know, Democrats want to roll back the voting age to sixteen. When yeah. just a couple of years ago, and I have never smoked in my life. I worked in a bingo hall long enough when I was a kid that I never wanted to smoke, but. They said that a cartoon camel was the reason that children were being influenced to throw a cigarette in their mouth and light it up. So if they were that stupid to be, yeah. you know, con convinced to smoke based off of a cartoon camel that really was kind of stupid and looked like something you're, you know, 50 year old would like, uh, why would we think that they're responsible enough and knowledgeable enough to vote? It just doesn't add up. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's bad enough that people are are swayed by being bribed basically with money. Like, I yes. mean, hey, here's. Here's a benefit. If you vote for me, you get this benefit. Like that's, I think that's been the downfall of like several generations in our country. Just the how out of control like the welfare state is, for example. Like it, it's affected so many people's judgment because you just, you, oh, I could get just these couple freebies. Oh, that applies to my life perfectly. But it, man, like you don't think about your neighbors and how that's going to affect the system. And every, nobody re wants to realize that i mean crap rolls downhill man like nothing is ever good. none of these things that you're being bribed with policy wise are ever not going to affect you like the people who are successful and on the top they're not lazy and they're not stupid so they're gonna adjust their lives to fit whatever you're voting in and whatever stuff they were gonna have to pay for or penalties that they were gonna have to face they're just gonna pass that buck on to you you know, that's how we get inflation and stuff like that. I mean, you, you're still going to pay for your stuff no matter what. They're just – somebody else is going to make you do it outside of whatever you just voted for. See, and this is why I think uh, most <clears throat> wrestlers are uh, 
or entertain whatever they want to entertainers. I think they're you're not allowed to call them wrestlers in WWE. Uh, <laughs> are lean conservative or lean right, and and you can say whether or not I'm, I'm right or wrong on this. At least on fiscal issues, because you guys are independent contractors, and you have to realize how to save and actually um, build up your wealth and and maintain your wealth on your own, as opposed to having somebody kind of consistently have that there for you. Well, there's that, and 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 uh, and I also think that age comes into play like rest, wrestling a lot of a lot of the prime in wrestling is usually 30 35 years old whereas like another sport or something like like will be like you know you'd be in like your early to mid 20s that's like your prime so i think like you you could kind of look around the room and like i said like i i i've never even voted in my life but i i think about certain ideas and like i i i definitely tend to shy away from administrations that want to offer so many freebies and things like that because I, I look at the way that that like a socialist concept will like kind of affect people as opposed to like a free market and and capitalism etc cetera, etc cetera. um but yeah a lot when i look around the room i mean it's 80 percent are people that are conservative and usually it's because they're older and they have families and they they are their own business and it's like you start to see why those ideas make sense and why that's uh you know a safer bet well i've said uh the the real dividing line and we have to wrap up because i don't like to let these interviews go so long that people uh, i could talk to you all day long honestly and, and we'll probably do this again if you want to at some point but i really think the dividing line in this country really isn't republican democrat it's not conservative liberal it's personal personal responsibility or not whether or not yeah. you think something is on you or on someone else and when you're taking that personal responsibility, especially as an independent contractor, uh, because I'm, I'm friends with a bunch of porn stars too, I'm not looping you together, but as independent <laughs> contractors, they take a lot more personal responsibility. You'd be surprised how boring they are. Um, but, uh, you know, you'd be, and that's kind of where that line is. I'll leave you with this thought. Uh, one of the, one of the side notes that uh, all my friends know, but, um, you don't, I don't think, is that your your old theme song uh, in WWE, the rock version of it, it's uh, a take on Mega Man's music, is my ringtone. And I think it's the perfect ringtone for anyone's cell phone. Uh, and and everyone always asks me what it is. Dude, that, that thing, when it, when it like chimes in, it's such a cool song. And that was such a cool entrance that you used to have with the, <laughs> the whole video game thing. I thought that was incredible. Uh, we got to run, though. Uh, TJP, where can people find your stuff? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty simple I've all my I, I don't run a Facebook all I got is an Instagram and a Twitter and I'm not even on that much these days but you can find it at mega TJP uh, I stream on Twitch usually twice a week or so um, also mega TJP uh, and cameo I think is also mega TJP if you wanted like a shout out for your family or you know Mother's Day or your kid or something like that um, that's yeah. such a smart right. business, by the way. One day I'll get to the point where people <laughs> want cameos from me. Thanks for joining me today. And that's it for today's No Things Considered podcast. My name is Tim Young. Of course you know that. Like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.